This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly report from the Michigan Democratic Party. I'm Lavora Barnes, and the words this week, delivering for families. Months ago, as the world was suffering through the post-COVID inflation that hurt the budget of so many families, economists were warning of a national recession. They said controlling inflation inevitably meant higher unemployment and a shrinking economy. They were wrong. Instead, thanks to Bidenomics, Governor Whitmer, and our majority in the state legislature, more people are working and have more resources for themselves and their families. Our state's unemployment rate is the lowest in 23 years, and only the third time it's been below 4% since the 1970s. The national unemployment rate is the lowest it's been since Neil Armstrong walked on the moon 54 years ago. Inflation has dropped to 3%. What does this mean for Michigan families? As President Biden rightly notes, Our unemployment rate remains near record lows. Inflation has fallen by two-thirds. Real wages are higher than they were before the pandemic. And we've seen more than half a trillion dollars in private sector investment commitments in clean energy and manufacturing. As inflation falls and our economy continues to improve, Republicans may need to rethink their attacks on the Biden economy because 13.2 million jobs have been created under President Biden, nearly 4 million more jobs than before the pandemic. In the first six months of 2023, the governor and our newly elected Democratic majority have approved a wide range of projects totaling a capital investment of over $452 million across the state. On top of that, Governor Whitmer and Michigan Democrats have delivered for Michiganders. Clean energy investments which create jobs and help fight the climate crisis that we are seeing on a daily basis. Common sense gun safety laws. Increased funding for education. Protections for reproductive freedom. Expanded civil rights protection and repealing the anti-worker right-to-work law. This historic progress is a constant reminder to continue to tell our story, knock doors, make phone calls, and talk to our community members to elect Democrats and keep the progress going. Let's continue to uplift our message. Democrats are delivering for Michigan families. In a moment, we'll talk two major accomplishments that grow out of twin tragedies on the MSU campus, gun safety laws, and laws strengthening the rights of sexual assault victims. We'll talk with State Representative Julie Brixie, whose district includes the East Lansing campus. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with Dorian Tyus. Here's some of the stories on politics and policy we're watching this week. July has been so hot thus far that scientists calculate that this month will be the hottest globally on record and likely the warmest human civilization has seen. The World Meteorological Organization and the European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service on Thursday proclaimed July's heat is beyond record smashing. They said Earth's temperature has been temporarily passing over a key warming threshold the internationally accepted goal of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Scientists say that such shattering of heat records is a harbinger for future climate-altering changes as the planet warms. Those changes go beyond just prolonged heat waves and include more flooding, longer-burning wildfires, and extreme weather events that put many people at risk. 
Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a series of energy-related bills that would offer public support for energy upgrades and solar facilities, make permanent an energy assistance program for low-income households, and allow state agencies to adopt more stringent regulations than those at the federal level, a change sought by environmental groups. A pair of bills signed by Whitmer modify a clean energy program that allows local governments to provide financing to help commercial and industrial properties improve their energy efficiency. Another bill makes Michigan's assistance program that helps eligible low-income households cover home energy costs permanent. The bill, which passed with wide bipartisan support, eliminates the September 30th sunset date when the program was initially set to expire. President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act investments in clean energy are already benefiting the economy. The surge in government funding and related private investment is beginning to make its way to businesses and communities across the country. Building electric vehicles, new bridges, airport upgrades, and a host of other infrastructure and green energy projects that are juicing the economy just when it needs it the most. The jump in private investment in particular is already filtering into the economy. Business spending on infrastructure such as manufacturing plants, transportation equipment, and software rose 56% in the most recent quarter, accounting for 15% of the economy, according to data released Thursday by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Economists say the uptick in business activity is striking at a time when higher borrowing costs and tighter lending standards have curtailed other investments. New polling data from Data for Progress finds that voters largely oppose the Republican amendments to the budget bill for national defense, which would restrict access to abortion and transgender medical care. One amendment would prohibit the military from paying for or reimbursing service members who travel to get an abortion out of state. A majority of voters, 51%, including 63% of Democrats and 54% of independents, oppose this amendment. And an overwhelming majority opposed Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's one-person blockade of military promotions and protests of Defense Department policies on reproductive health care. 75% of Democrats and 58% of independents align with the following statement. Senator Tuberville should not block the promotions of U.S. service members. A single senator should not take military personnel decisions hostage due to his opposition to the Department of Defense's own policies. Women who are sexually assaulted by former Michigan State University sports doctor Larry Nasser filed a lawsuit Thursday saying school officials made, quote, secret decisions about releasing documents in the case. The group of survivors and parents say the lawsuit seeks accountability, not money, from the university. They say the school refused to give the state's attorney general's office more than 6,000 documents for an investigation into how Nasser was allowed to get away with his behavior and later wouldn't turn over emails about the Board of Trustees' decision-making. The school has said the documents are protected by the attorney-client privilege. Mashaan Maddock, former co-chair of the Michigan Republican Party, has pleaded not guilty to eight felony charges on accusations she and others filed paperwork falsely claiming Donald Trump won Michigan in 2020 in an effort to keep him in the White House. Maddock is one of 16 people facing charges related to the so-called, quote, false elector scheme to swing Michigan's electoral college votes to Trump, even though Democrat Joe Biden won the state by 154,188 votes. Stephanie Lambert, suspect in Michigan vote machine tampering case, says she has been indicted. 
Lambert is one of nine suspects loyal to former President Donald Trump, referred to special prosecutor last year. The suspects, including the sheriff of Berrien County and 2022 GOP Attorney General candidate Matt DiPerno and former Republican State Representative Dare Rendon, are accused of trying to find evidence the 2020 election was rigged against Trump. For more information on these and other stories, go to our website, partyonthepeninsula.com. For Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyus. Thank you, Dorian. Representative Julie Brixie has devoted her life to public service, beginning as a neighborhood advocate fighting industrial pollution, becoming an elected township official, and now serving in her third term in the Michigan House. She's a member of the all-important House Appropriations Committee and chairs the Subcommittee on Agricultural Rural Development and Natural Resources and the Subcommittee on Licensing, Regulatory Affairs, Insurance, and Financial Services. She talked with our Walt Sorg about gun safety and about empowering victims of sexual assault. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast Representative Julie Brixey of Meridian Township, which is just outside Lansing. Representative Brixey, your district includes the Michigan State University campus, which unfortunately is a big part of the story of this legislative session through legislation that you have introduced and also supported. First of all, on sexual assault, many of these bills growing out of the terrible Larry Nassar. Tell us what the legislature has accomplished, and you did it pretty quickly. Yeah, we've introduced a number of packages. What happened in 2018 after the crimes at MSU became apparent the legislature realized they really had to act because like so many other states, our statute of limitation laws helped harbor serial sexual predators, including Larry Natzer and later Robert Anderson. So in 2018, we did some reforms that allowed the people at MSU to have access to justice. So I've been introducing statute of limitation reform bills every session since then, and until this session was not able to even get a hearing. The The most recent package that just passed, introduced by my colleague, Julie Rogers, make it a misdemeanor for an individual to use their professional authority over another person to prevent the reporting of a crime. They include a conviction for a violation involving sexual penetration under the pretext of medical treatment and revoke the medical license of anyone who's convicted of that crime. The bills also require consent from patients who are going to receive any procedures that include penetration and include a lot of reporting requirements and retention of records. In addition to that, they mandate training for folks to understand who mandatory reporters are and mandate that public schools hand out educational materials about sexual assault and harassment for middle schoolers and high schoolers to encourage schools to provide training to help really change the culture and awareness of sexual assault. What I find amazing is some of these bills did not get the bipartisan support you would have expected. You had opposition to some of the most basic protections 
for people who have been criminally assaulted. Right. And that's something that's pretty newsworthy because we have Republicans who are complaining about children being groomed and complaining about protecting children by banning books in libraries and regulating bathroom usage. And yet some of these same folks voted against some of these bills and against the child marriage prohibition bills that just passed through the House and Senate. So the Democrats are definitely putting their actions and values to work in protecting children with real laws. The other big package of bills that we have out there is my package, Act Justice for Survivors. And these bills would really dramatically extend the statute of limitations for criminal sexual conduct. And well, the reason that we need to change these, these laws is because the average age that survivor of childhood sex abuse comes forward to report their abuse is 52 years old. And in Michigan, our statute of limitation is age 28 for someone who's been abused as a child. So there's a big disconnect between when people come forward and when the statute of limitation expires, which is one part of the reason why so many sexual predators get away with abusing children. So when we want to change the whole culture around sexual assault and we want to create a climate that allows people to come forward to stop these predators from continuing to be serial predators. And so our bills would extend the statute of limitation to age 52. They'd eliminate it if there's a criminal conviction. They'd change the discovery time from three years to seven years. Because a lot of people, when they're very young and they're abused, they repress the memories and they don't even discover that they were abused until much later in life. And then finally, one of the things that the bills would do is remove governmental immunity for criminal sexual conduct and remove some of the notice requirements that many universities have that prevent people from taking action once they recognize that they've been abused if it's happened in the university setting. And unfortunately, in Michigan, we see that that is something that has happened at both of our, at Michigan State and at University of Michigan. And one of the reasons for that is that kids who are in college are really still kids. The human brain, the executive function isn't really fully formed until age 25. So people who are sexually assaulted at age 25 and younger often fall into that category of childhood sexual assault survivors and the patterns of behavior about disclosure that go along with that. So we had a really positive hearing on the bill package. You have a very strong ally on that last bill in the governor's office who was a victim of sexual assault when she was in college. She didn't come forward for literally decades after it happened because it was so difficult for her, but she finally did come forward of all places on the floor of the state summit. Yep. And that was in an attempt to prevent the insurance rider from having to be added for people to receive reproductive health services and abortion services 
in the event that they were raped. So I'll be really very much looking forward to seeing that insurance bill repealed later this year with part of our reproductive health changes that we have coming. One more quick note on the package of bills that you've already passed regarding the statute of limitations. We've got a very dramatic example of that going on right now in New York, where Eugene Carroll has already gotten a jury verdict saying, in fact, that decades ago, Donald Trump sexually assaulted her and she didn't come forward for a long time again because she didn't want to come forward. She didn't want to go public with it out of shame, but she finally had to because of the president's outlandish statements against her. Right. And one of the reasons she was able to come forward was because New York enacted a revival window when they changed their statute of limitations. And the revival window allows someone to come forward in a civil court if their criminal statute of limitation has expired. And that is part of our package for the statute of limitation reform. And those bills, Walt, haven't passed. They've had a hearing, but they haven't been voted out of committee yet. We're hoping to get them voted out right after we get back into session. Another horror on the campus that has played a large role in passing legislation was the shooting at Michigan State University that left three dead, five students wounded, including one who was paralyzed as a result of his injuries. And you got a pretty good start on gun safety legislation in this first session, but you've got more to go. We do. I was really happy to see the extreme risk protection orders put into place. Again, I had introduced that package of bills two sessions in a row and not even gotten any hearings on it. And that the extreme risk protection orders or what are sometimes known as red flag laws, those are bills, those are laws that have been shown to really reduce deaths by gun violence, specifically suicide. But sadly, in, in many cases, in shootings that we've had right here in Michigan, those laws could have helped in terms of people reporting that there, there were problems with the individuals that committed these mass shootings. And sadly, we didn't have those laws on the books. We've got some other gun, guns reform bills that are out there as well. A second round, hopefully, we'll see some action on. One of those, Walt, is eliminating the open carry loophole. So Michigan has gun laws that are kind of all over the place in two different sections, and firearms and in pistols. And the conflicts between those two sections have resulted in this crazy loophole where gun-free zones like schools and churches and large venues don't have, they have a loophole that allows people to open carry. You can't conceal carry in a gun-free zone, but if you have a concealed carry permit, you can open carry in a gun-free zone like a daycare center. That doesn't make any sense, and it's really past time to eliminate that law and to add some other places to the gun-free zones like libraries, for example, and state office buildings. Maybe beginning with the state capitol. Yes, absolutely. At the same time as with the protective orders, you now have several of your colleagues with recall efforts underway because they voted in favor of that bill. I don't understand it. Can you enlighten me on why would anybody get recalled for voting for that kind of safety law? 
Well, the Republican Party continues to double down on, dare I say, stupid. Oh, go ahead. So I would say doubling down on stupid because these are issues that the general public does not feel comfortable with people walking around with automatic weapons and toting guns into daycare centers and waving weapons around. That is not what your average person wants to see. And yet the Republican Party continues to use gun issues as a litmus test. And it's been, frankly, disastrous for them. And I believe that it will continue to be disastrous for them, just like their stance on abortion issues and their stance on their homophobic stance that they've been taking. So the more often that they try to do these types of actions and politicize them, I think that they're shooting themselves in the foot, literally. Literally and figuratively. Representative Julie Brooksy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Need to have you back soon to talk about another subject that I know is near and dear to your heart, and that is climate change. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to be able to come on again, Walt. And thank you for all the work that you put into informing folks of what's going on in our peninsulas. That's our report for this week. We thank Representative Julie Grixby for her tireless work on behalf of the people of Michigan and for joining us this week. As part of your advocacy efforts on behalf of Michigan Democrats, please share the podcast with like-minded friends and neighbors who want to spread the word all across our pleasant peninsulas. I'm LaVora Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Party on the Peninsula is a production of the Michigan Democratic Party.